Hi, I'm James. And I'm Drew. And welcome to Graphic Support Group, a mindful podcast for the design industry and the self, where empathy and the creative cloud meet. Join us as we delve into the mind and soul of graphic design, from PSDs to PTSD. This is Graphic Support Group. sleep a little earlier lately usually I go to bed around like 12 or 1 but I've been going to bed at like 11 10 30 I think this transcontinental <laughs> thing is hilarious because you're like tired we're both tired but you're tired because you're want to go to sleep I'm tired yeah exactly early on Saturday well we're yeah. in similar so I, similar like po- polar states polar states I'm also I in like the say. kind of after the work week like rejuvenated sort of ready mm-hmm. to look back with fond memories and i'm on the like, i'm on the uh look the, the cusp because it's it's saturday night here so i've had a full day of that joy right and now i'm entering sunday but at the same time yeah now you're like, i don't have a i, have I don't have like a stuff. you know normal nine to five schedule anyways and the semester actually just ended this week so I'm looking forward to winter vacation. Wow. So this is a nice Sunday. Yeah, I, Coming I, up. I do have to do grading, but, you know, I'm actually pretty good about my grading during the semester. But I do have six classes to grade. Sounds good. Which is Sounds like you're getting a break like everyone needs. Right yeah. Now. Um So what's – can you tell, tell me a bit about your week? Sure. This week? Uh, I ended – so – uh, my primary job here in South Korea is I'm a design professor at Hong University, and usually we have a lot of students in the student to professor ratio is very high. So normally I'm teaching at least four or five classes. This semester I had one co-teaching class, wow. so I'm actually teaching six classes. But half of the semester was like every other week between the two sections. But one plus side is like we used to have 30 students per class for the lower grade classes, the non-major classes. Um, Now that we're, it was like a combination of COVID as well as like student demand. They cut back the class sizes to 20. So... Yeah, I have about like 20 students per class, so it's not as insane as it used to be. Wow. <laughs> but but you have like six times 20? I usually have like 100 plus students each semester. Wow. Are there, are there any overlap? Some. Uh, this semester I did have a few. I had like four or five. No, I had like three students who were in two of my classes, but that's actually rare. I have more... I have students who repeat, like, they don't repeat the same class, but, like, they take different classes with me. Um, That's a little bit more common than um, a student taking two of my classes in one semester. So how has your week been? Uh, My week has been good. We're finishing up a lot of the year-end stuff at Pitchfork, so it's just 
been heavy for the past like month or so just like I'm making tons of like collages and illustrations for all these Uh stories and lists so Uh I'm finally feeling like I'm ready to breathe a bit yeah uh I have list like one, one or two more days and then i'm like finally like can breathe out because we did a cover story on fiona apple which yeah. i did like animated type on and we did like, that was really beautiful by the way oh thank you i mean i didn't have much to do with the videos aside from i edited the videos but i didn't like i wasn't involved in the shoot or anything she's also a hard person to get so it was really cool but yeah that was kind of a stressful sort of chaotic process towards the end there but it turned out well this week I actually felt I had some time to like conceptualize some stories because a lot of the list stuff is just like all right here's the artists that are included in the list silhouette them and like put them on this background that I came up with that looks like a kid like drawing with crayon right which I which is fun because every time I have to like draw new crayon drawings around them and stuff which has prompted some great comments on Instagram. You guys need a new design intern. <laughs> like, Interns got an intern. Um, so yeah, I come across as a young and unexperienced designer to the Pitchfork commenters, um, which is great. Which is, uh, in some but, weird way, we're all striving for that kind of purity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really pulled it off they think that i'm like (laughs) somebody who doesn't know what they're doing which is kind of great yeah i mean i don't think i do know what i'm doing but i'm glad they don't think i do either but you know i think we're doing all right frankly i I Uh, enjoy the stuff that you've been doing yeah it's been nice to sort of like focus on a few stories that aren't lists like we were doing one that's like how we got through this year and listening and it's like a little bit more like kind of 60s sci-fi like kind of like Robert Beatty but like motion yeah lots of like rippling water yeah 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 headphone silhouettes and like glowing and stuff so I've been I've been getting into that people seem and then doing like a little bit more like sort of like minimalist like illustrations about like clubs closing and not opening up Um, so those have been like kind of more fulfilling to me after like 10 of the same exact kind of thing yeah. over and over again. But those it's like fun. putting out a big package um, or like bringing, putting out a big campaign where it's like tons of moving parts, but they're all within one system, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, luckily the system is literally like scribbled crayons in <laughs> Photoshop, so <laughs> it's pretty much not a system, but, uh, you know, scribbling in, as many five-year-olds know, scribbling in your sketchbook can get old fast. You, you, I mean, luckily there's like a lot of colors in Photoshop, so yeah. you don't really have to. Be Is that like your, your Maryland set, accent but... coming out, M- crayon? I don't know what. Because I, 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 I always like was taught of being crayon. Yeah, I say yeah, crayon. I think like crayon. Maybe. Yeah, but it's spelled C R A Y O N. You know, I don't make the rules. I just break them. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. But the Maryland accent is typically like a O thing. It's like uh, O. So like, it's it's kind of like a Philly. Well, that's like Baltimore. So Baltimore and yeah, Philly. Yeah, Baltimore like has like a slightly different accent than. Yeah, Baltimore and Philly, it's like O. Uh, like get a uh, hoagie. Okay, know? yeah, I see. Yeah, so 
you were mentioning you're like uh, working on these like soothing psychedelic graphics to sort of like parallel yeah. some of the stories about probably. I'm assuming they're like how music has been a s- escape or salve during these unsettling times. So needing yeah. to find music that uh, is an escape. Well, one of them is like a staff list. So it's like all the Pitchfork staffers on like some questions, like what was the last live show you saw like before uh, this happened? What was your favorite uh, album to get you through this kind of stuff? Right. So that's been, that one is like very nice, simple. Like it's just like, a silhouette of a guy with headphones and it like zooms in and then it's like like a very like zen water ripple and it's like it keeps like zooming into that and then it turns back and like it's sort of like an endless loop uh, what are those animation what are those animations called where it's like endless loop but it's like a thing zooming into each other oh, that's what i was trying to do with yeah. this one but it's i don't know what it's called it's kind of like an endless mirror yeah thing it's just basically for the for the after effects nerds, you like chain link you parent things to each other so that they're constantly growing at the same speed. Oh. So that when one fills the screen, the new one comes. Right, right, so right. It's always they're at the same rate too. I think you start it you start it where there's two at the same time. So that mm-hmm. way they're like it can always get back to two. Okay. There's always two on screen at the same time at okay. least. And then like you can do it with like three or four. So that way like once Right. So like the repeat. first one is full size, the other one is like half the size, then the they're growing at the same rate, right? Yeah, they always start the same from the same place, so okay. you never really notice. Uh, but it's hard to do. That's cool. So I think that topic of like I guess trauma is a heavy word for this year, but this this year has been a traumatic I mean, year. I would say that's the most. But like dealing with all the year end lists and like kind of, I don't know. Have you has that made you revisit some of like the pains of this year? I'm I'm I've never been. I liked lists like like magazines putting out lists, but I was never one to make them. So I don't know exactly how that feels. I feel very disassociated from that content this year. Yeah, I wasn't really able to kind of access like i have my own sort of like here's a few things that i listened to throughout the early pandemic that uh-huh. got me through this uh-huh. this and this and writing the those little blurbs was nice because but it was all stuff that it was like right here like in the back of my head like i didn't have yeah. to dig deep for it which yeah. was nice actually i feel like every other year i'm like all right let's like think about this what did i really do and it's like i know what i did i listened to like gia margaret's album which i think is called apathy which is amazing <laughs> that's like in my in my uh yeah in my uh like like soundcloud i mean spotify wrap up or yeah, whatever yeah. it says like this year was your year of apathy yeah that's hilarious uh, so i and i know like the last show i went to was really like special actually so i got to like just write a little blurb about that and like Bonnie Prince, Billy and Jonathan Richmond at Town Hall in New York. That was the last show I saw. It was pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, I feel like I've kind of been thinking, like being at Pitchfork during this time has been a lot of thinking about like how music helps us get through this mm-hmm. anyways. Like mm-hmm. since March, basically, we had like stories like that. 
it like we had a thing in April about like mute music to soothe yourself to where I made like a laptop with a waterfall in it. Yeah, I think like, I remember floating. that graphics. So that's kind of in the same vein. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's been helpful for me to sort of remember what I do cling to or hold on to and like some of it still works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I've been like I found that this year was like a most transformative year for me in terms of like how I approach art and music in that like I've been pretty much like out of my comfort zone completely, which is kind of interesting. Like I just like listen to lots of like new age and ambient and like minimal right. Japanese stuff, like things that I never would have probably listened to like five years ago. Right. Now I'm just like, that's all I listen to. Like I go home, I went to my dad's recently, which was a risk that I took, but we all got tested and yeah before and tested negative. I went there and I'd playing like some stuff that I usually listen to. Yeah. Everyone's like, are we at like a spa? Like, <laughs> like this is like all I listen to now. Like literally like I was realizing I'm listening to like music that they play in like, like new age massage, like rooms where it's like, context is everything really you know there it's cheesy when i'm working on baller graphics it's just you're going i i made a joke to my friend uh, like i started with like like green by um what's his name i never i was actually gonna ask you about that album yeah it's yeah. like you your entry point is hiroshi yoshimura's green and your your yeah. end point is yeah. like literally like music from us like i have a plate i found an album that's like music from for wellness centers right it's like like your entry level drug is like minimal japanese like 70s electronic music and like by the time like three months in you're like doing the hard stuff like wellness center yeah. ambient guitar um so i made the joke to my friend i'm like sometimes you just need to go straight in for like 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 straight in <laughs> for the hard stuff you know like daily wellness center ambient compositions so that's kind of what i'm into these days um i guess we should probably start talking about like you know design or something i was gonna segue into our topic this episode by like uh mentioning how it's been like having to revisit the year in covid as a traumatic experience and whether or not like the year end lists have been a trigger for that kind of recollection but i guess not <laughs> i mean for me it kind of feels like a nice closure to be honest it's like putting yeah. an end to something it's like okay like this all happened let's unpack it and let's move on with our lives like and that was yeah. kind of what i was thinking about with the crayon drawing idea was like i don't want to try to like summarize this year and like yeah capture what it was like aside from like yeah it was chaotic but also like i wanted it to feel like it was like we were all just like sort of starting from scratch and like had to kind of view the world with right. like a bit of naive like excitement and wonder because that's i feel like drawing with a crayon or like sketching in a notebook is sort of like the pinnacle of like um kind of cabin fever imagination it's like, right. okay, I don't have much to work with, but I want to make something fun and exciting and, like, get lost in it. So that was sort of where I came up with that. Not, like, the most riveting 
thing in the world, but the idea was like this yeah. year was crazy. We were all like left to our own devices to make the most of it. Right. And like, here's what you could do with limited skill, limited resources, and like just a bunch of like colors and stuff to make it like you can make something from nothing kind of thing. That was what I wanted to do. Right. So I don't know. Right. That, that's a very high-minded concept for a very simple thing, but I, that was where it was coming <laughs> from. And then you know, ultimately, you get lovely people telling you that you need to learn. Learn to. You gotta hire another uh, design intern. Sitting tall, allow your arms to rest gently in your lap. Notice your surroundings. Listen to your breath as you open your heart. On your next inhale, open Photoshop. Your hand is resting gently on your magic mouse. Light and comfortable. Bring your awareness to the new project dialogue. The project title fills itself in newday.psd. Follow your breath as you slowly inhale and let it go. Your file is safely saved in the correct folder, and your folder trees are organized and labeled. All of the punctuation and capitalization is correct. Your computer is running smoothly. Your fans are quiet. There is no lag. Your favorite song comes on automatically, beginning quietly and slowly getting louder, tingling your ears as you click. Every layer you add creates something new and exciting. You adjust the brightness and levels as the screen glows against your face. You are a designer. Let go of your doubts. Your screen is a beacon. Relax. Put your mind at ease and take a moment to appreciate the Adobe Creative Suite. Now, save your file and exit the program. You are worthy. Trust the process. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I think that like that that goes back to what we're trying to, you know, what we're trying to deal with today about traumas and design practice and design education. And uh, kind of given our format, which is sort of like we are both design practitioners and we're trying to get to know other designers more on their personal level. So we're trying to take this angle of like design as therapy, which is yeah. also a, a topic that I think we'd want to discuss at, at greater length in other episodes in more pointedly. But I thought that we we thought that actually the best way for us to kick this off is actually to investigate ourselves. Um, So I I have a few traumas. I've made like a pretty big transition about six years ago. Right. So I think the stories that I'll be sharing are mostly from the eight years that I was working as a professional quote unquote designer and art director in the States. Yeah, tell us um, what's what's one of your what's your well biggest what, trauma from that. Well, period? the first, the I mean, the first. Whenever I, you know, you know, like whenever I think of that, the word trauma in, in relation to my design practice, I think the first story that comes up is that when I was, I was working in Boston. I was super green. It was like within the first year, I think, after I graduated, and uh, through I think it was like LinkedIn. It was like a really random, like, um, random professional network site. And this RISD alum who lived in New Hampshire, um, like, this is to give you an idea of how green I was in the world. It's like, I lived in Boston, but I had no idea, like, New Hampshire was only, like, a 30-minute drive away. <laughs> I thought he lived, like, two or three hours away from me, like, and, uh, but, like, yeah, so... <laughs> I was very green in the world. Um, hey, you know then, you're from, you were from the south, anyways, right? Or Colorado? I was from South Korea. Yeah, but then you were also lived in. Didn't you live in Colorado? And I lived Atlanta? in Colorado when I was a kid. I was I lived in Colorado when I was a kid, and then I spent my teen years in high school years in um, South Korea in Seoul. Yeah, but enough about that. So. Uh, this guy, he reached out to me, he asked me, he, he, he's got some freelance work, and he asked me to do a corporate brochure. Um, I think it was for, like, a law firm. I don't even even know. And this what, was after college. This was after college. I was working at his design studio, and then he asked me to do some freelance work. So you were, like, 21. 22. 22. I was 22. Um, I was 22. And, um, yeah, and, like, yeah, so... What was he your favorite contact me around, out of the blue. around then? What, what, oh, put Trade a, Gothic. Put, put trade, us, trade put us Gothic. in the uh, 22-year-old James Che. What, what are you reading, looking at? What are you... I was super into um, condensed typefaces at the time. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, been like a consistent theme of mine for some reason. Um, like, I really liked Accidents, Condensed, and Trade Gothic alternate number two would you say that it was no um, accidents no you... dude get out <laughs> it was no accident it was no accident um but i was still like very high-minded like i was very like oh i'm not gonna do corporate design 
And then like a year later, I was doing like FedEx emails every day. It was horrible. Um, that That's another traumatic experience. Um, but yeah, so anyways, um, this guy contacts me. He We never met face to face actually. So that's I think what actually added to the trauma because um, I did this like corporate brochure. I did a very straightforward layout for them, uh, which was like, kind of what we had agreed upon the first conversation that we had and then I looked at it again after I sent it off and I was like this is really boring this is fucking boring like this is not James Che graphic design like if I'm going to be doing graphic design like on my own time it should be on my own terms and I did this radical redesign and I made it like I put in like neon green it was like it was like cyberpunk. It what was like, you, pretty fucking. What was cool. your influence there? Like, what what were you going for? Like, what... it was like Designers Republic meets uh, Raygun Magazine, which is exactly like, what it, it was sounds wild. like they wanted. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they wanted. So you know, I like I like sent this draft, and I didn't send it to the client because I wasn't in contact with the client, but I sent it to him. And, like, I think there were revisions that needed to be made. And instead of making those revisions, I sent this redesign. And I was, like, super excited. I was like, hey, like, I got this new redesign. Like, I think it's much more interesting direction. Like, I, I think you should share it with the client because I think I feel much more confident about it. And then as soon as I sent the email later that evening, he calls me, which is, like, you know, like, like we had we had agreed that we would you know like converse mostly over email um unless we had to like you know and this was before like video conferencing and stuff like that people did that didn't do that as regularly so he calls me he's like what the hell is this like this is unacceptable like we should never do this kind of thing it's like i know you're young and you're you're eager but like never ever do this kind of thing and it, it, like it's so unprofessional and, like, again, like, I didn't send it to the client. Like, I just sent it to him. And he, he worked at an he agency, this, right? No, no, no. It was his, also his freelance type of thing. It wasn't, like, a huge deal. But, like, again, I think because I spent my time doing this, like, fancy graphic thing, you know, that the changes got delayed and, like, the project got delayed. I actually don't even know if I got paid for that job. <laughs> Did you finish Because it? I think I got fi- I think I got fired on the spot after that. <laughs> Was it good? Like, looking... Well, I mean, looking back at it, like, I don't know where the files are, but in my memory, it was fucking hot shit. Like, it <laughs> was look, dope, man. I never like, look back at stuff like, okay. like that, and you're like, wow, <laughs> it was not good. Like, they were right. <laughs> That happens to me, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm sure, like, it is like that. Like, I, I'm sure I can dig up the files. I don't actually, I don't even think I can dig up the files. I think I lost it in a, a couple of hard drive. Maybe the guy has the email you know, throughout the years. See if he can. <laughs> I, we should get I him on here. I think I could. Oh, that would be great. Like I think I could. Here, let me... Like, how did it feel when James sent you that? But thing? okay, just to, just to keep it within the, realm of uh 
uh, of tragedy and trauma, the way I choose to remember it and the way I, the reason why I think it's relevant to to my experience is that like, one, he was right that I shouldn't pull a U-turn in the middle of a project like that. And two, like, I don't know, like it also told me, it also taught me to kind of like, don't try and swing for the fences like midway, like go for it from the beginning. And like trying to train myself to be able to do that, like that, which also requires me to like psych myself out about a project at the beginning, and like yeah. you know learning how to start things with much more enthusiasm and um, rigor. But yeah, I mean that was a huge traumatic experience for me because like one, it was like the first time I ever got fired, really, um, and then two, like it was something that I thought like. I like genuinely thought that they would like it. Like this law firm in New Hampshire <laughs> would think like these, this, like this dope ass designers Republic type of design right. would be appropriate for them with neon green. New Hampshire is like, like the libertarian yeah. state live free or die. Exactly. I mean, they seem yeah. pretty cool. If you, if you just go yeah. off of the live free or die thing, not, not libertarian, yeah. but cool license yeah. plate tagline. I mean, you could see them going yeah. for it. Also, new. Yeah, I'm not going to find this. Not old Hampshire, yeah. so like maybe they're into like yeah. you know, new new aesthetics. Yeah, I'm definitely not going. I searched my email for a RISD alum, and it only goes back to 2007. This was probably even in 2006 when I graduated. So, how often do you think about this? Would you say it like kind of permeates um, your subconscious? I think it's something that like. It's definitely something like I was actually surprised when we like were planning this, you know, podcast. Like it was the first story that I thought of that that affected me in a way. Like and like uh, that first two that first two years outside of out, out of grad school was definitely like very impressionable on me. And there were like a lot of other things that happened that, um, you know, were were learn like were lessons that I had to learn. Um, yeah. Like. And to be frank, like I almost basically got fired from my first job in Boston because I put job. up such a bad attitude. No, they're like my main job. Like so, this this job that you know, like I did the U turn on was a freelance gig, but yeah. my main job I was working at a design firm called Tank, and yeah. I was such a like you know arrogant young designer that like I thought they. I did get put on really interesting projects at the beginning, but I totally fumbled Yeah. and didn't know what I was doing. And then eventually they put me on a really boring client and I was stuck on it for like a year and a half. And basically I, uh, instead of getting fired, I said like, I'll work hard for you for the next two months. And you guys basically fire me. <laughs> you told them to do that? Like, Kind of. I, like, basically said, like, I want to move to New York in three months, and uh, I want to actually move to New York in a month, but I'll stay on for three months for you guys, because I know you have a big deadline in three months, and instead of, like, like I'll do that, I'll, like, this is how arrogant I was, like, I'll do that, I'll quit later, um, if you guys, like, get me, allow me to have COBRA health insurance which I could only get if I was fired. Mm. Wow. I, if I quit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't get fired. Because I wanted to freelance, yeah. 
I, I wanted mean, to freelance. It's, it's so, and... It seems like a very common thing for like, I don't know, as young designers to have that kind of eagerness and like, like it's like being a rock star versus like playing the local like clubs, like open mics. It's like yeah, yeah, everyone yeah, wants yeah. to have like the huge audience and have like the people like patting you on the back for trying like the craziest thing you come up with. And when you're 22 years old, you're like, I'm a genius. Like I can, and you're working for people who are just like, can you just like make the thing that I asked yeah. you? And it's so common. I, it's so funny. I feel like I had the same, I feel like everyone, no one gets into design to do like, I mean, not no one, but a lot of people don't really get into it to like kind of kern like simple brochure mm-hmm type mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that that's most of the job is which yeah i think i don't know maybe you and i are similar in this but i feel like i've always been attracted to like some of the crazier more outlandish design work uh right i think there are some designers who aren't as into that of course and they want to just like keep things simple and minimal and like they, and, and i think also and, like i think also like the the design that we're attracted to is probably also more inviting or like more not i wouldn't say required because no one nothing in this world requires a shitty attitude and diva like antics like that let's just get that straight um but like i i will say that like i think the work that we're attracted to kind of um maybe invites those kinds of personality quirks or those faults yeah. as, as, as we can say um well i also think that there's like a an existential sort of dread when you haven't been you haven't had the opportunity or the or the experience of doing that thing yet so you don't think you'll ever mm-hmm. have it unless you like it's like now or never. Like if I don't do this here and now, this is the type of work I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, which is just like how immaturity works. It's like right, oh, right when you're right, mature right, right. and understand that that's not how you <laughs> like, you know, yeah, obviously if you're like Orson Welles, <laughs> you can make Well, I mean, I think like that's like actually, that's an interesting topic because like, I think there is like a, I, I hate to admit it, but I think there is, like, a, a little bit of truth to, like, how there is a window of creativity when you're young, when you have the energy and you have the hunger that, like, cannot be replicated again in the in your later years. But there is something to be said about, like, wisdom and experience and also consistency and, like, practice over years and years and years. Yeah. Like, it's like Ed Fella versus... Um, who's some really hot young designer right now? I don't even know. <laughs> like Nate's Pra, Nate's Pra. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, hot is the term, but he's very good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just. I think it's also just context. Like you know, do that on your own time. Have the balls, or for lack of a better word, have the gall to make your own work don't just like use client work as an excuse to do that. Like the fact that you're looking to a law firm in New Hampshire to fulfill those desires is also like just plain dumb. Right. Totally. And that was like my inexperience in like understanding the world that like 
Lawford doesn't need this hot shit design. And, like, um, maybe no one does except for you, and that's fine, but you can do it yourself yeah. or find the reason to do it. Yeah. Like, I think the, I had the odd thing is, situations. The odd thing is, too, is that, like, at the time at my job at Tank, I still hadn't been sent to, like, FedEx Purgatory. Um, and so I, sh- I could have used that energy and used that creativity in my other work and like gotten recognized for it but i was being stupid yeah um i mean i don't i think there's well, no, yeah that was another good lesson there's no way to learn that lesson without doing something like that because i otherwise you're like yeah yeah of course i'm gonna just do this great simple work for this client and make them super happy and then i'm gonna go home and do this yeah. other amazing thing that i enjoy yeah. and i think if your parents are yeah. like artists and you understand that sort of like mentality i think i come from a family where you did things because people asked you to do it and you made money from it like i didn't experience a lot of things that you do for the pure joy of doing them you know my mom Mm -hmm. was like a workout freak she worked out not because she enjoyed it but because she wanted to be in shape and then she worked for money and so that actually she worked so she could travel the world too because her job took her all over the world but that was sort of like yeah not seen as a, a good thing that she was like i have this job right, right, so i can right. just like go. that was like her like secret self-motivation yeah, yeah but you know i think if you grow up in a family where there's a lot of you know people just doing things for themselves mm-hmm. to feel a certain thrill and joy that mm-hmm. isn't contingent on somebody asking you of it then it's probably a little simpler to kind of tap into that mindset but when you basically say i want to be a professional designer professional means that somebody's paying me to do this professional means that somebody sought me to do something because they see what i can offer and what what i can offer is something unique that they want i mean that mentality is so broken and sort of (laughs) simple in some ways and even that the fact that either of us have it now which we probably both could admit we do is kind of funny like you know it should always be about what you should find people who you who want to work with you and who are interested in what you do and and vice versa like it shouldn't be such a mismatch but right right when you're young you're just like i just need an opportunity and whatever opportunity i get i'm just going to take and like go all the way with it but like no it's right. like you're not even in the conversation you're just like in your own world <laughs> right to jump off of yours, I have a very similar scenario where I still think about this tr- trauma like regularly and it like haunts me. But now I sort of use it as like a reflective sort of moment where I can kind of spite this hypothetical, this memory. Like I'm like, I'll show them kind of thing. Cause uh-huh, uh-huh. there is. I don't know how you feel about your situation in this way that I'm going to describe it. Do you feel like there are like assholes and then there are good people who, you know, hire a young person and take a chance on them and they understand that what goes with that. And like, yeah, you're getting like kind of cheap labor. You're getting like something you can kind of like take advantage, so to speak of that scenario, however you want to, but at least you're, you're on board for that, right? So, like, the way that that right. guy reacted to you 
could be seen as either okay he's teaching you a lesson or it could be seen as like all right he there's a there was a better way for him to like communicate that with you i think probably yeah definitely and he probably liked the power play a bit well honestly like i remember him being pissed off but i remember him trying to take this like very educational approach Mm. like he was definitely pissed off he's like he should i shouldn't do that but then like he did uh kind of like end up sort of like take this as a lesson and just don't do it again that's good yeah i mean i, I remember him being kind of like cordial that way yeah i mean i my the guy in new hampshire my scenario is a bit more aggressive and there's actually like mm-hmm. three separate pressure points of this that i think are okay. like all it's all like almost so perfectly traumatic that it's like it's like a trifecta of like I can't believe this actually happened to me and the fact that it did means like I must have done something terrible. Yeah. Um so you know, I have a education in design before grad school. So I was mm-hmm. just like went to this school called Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, New York. Mm-hmm. I minored mm-hmm. in art with a focus in communication design. So I took like three classes. And okay. And, I didn't know this. Yeah, and I was an English major, and I was, like, interested in writing about music. And through college, I wrote about music for a blog called Consequence of Sound, and I always wanted to be, like, a pitchfork writer and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I did this free blogging for, like, seven years, and I ended up being, like, a senior mm-hmm. staff writer and some sort of editor at one point. And then I eventually was, like, assistant art director because I just wanted to do more design mm-hmm. work. So I'd been, like, kind of straddling that for a while and I was like I'm never gonna become like a music writer like I'm never I I got Mm -hmm. paid towards the end of my music writing career I finally started writing for the Washington Post Express which was like their free commuter paper and I'd get paid like a (laughs) hundred dollars and I got to interview like Steve Malcolmus and like A.V. Tear from Animal Collective like it was pretty cool but like the goals were like super short and like yeah it just wasn't you know I'd have to work so 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 hard to get like anywhere and i'd already put in like seven years of work and like nothing you know i I don't i just don't think i was that good frankly and yeah um, i don't think that i had like the passion for it anymore so i was like all right look i'm out of college i'm gonna just try to find a design studio in dc where i live where i was living at the time where i can just like they'll take a chance on me like i have a bit of a portfolio you know Mm -hmm. there's this one studio Mm -hmm. i really like but i can't seem to get in there I've gone and met with them a couple times but like let me try this other one that's like nearby my house that I walked by so I like looked them up and I got in contact with them and they seemed like kind of eager to have me like they said they had an intern that was leaving and I was working actually at this museum design company that my friend's father runs and I was doing like experiential design for uh, Mm -hmm. like interactives and things for museums and I was working with only two other people, neither of whom were designers. So I wasn't like learning design there, but it was kind of a cool job. But so I basically got on the phone with these other people and was just basically like, is there any way I could like, I want to work in a design studio. I want to, and they were like, yeah, sure. Uh, Why don't you like come by and talk to our principal? I'm not going to mention names, but. I think if he ever discovers this, I've actually had dreams about like confronting him about this. So it's kind of, this could be (laughs) like the, the, like sort of, what is it called? Uh, What's it called when you like, 
self-actualize or whatever the self oh yeah yeah, anyways so yeah yeah i have a couple conversations it seems like a nice place really small kind of like quaint really like kind of friendly they do a lot of like non-profit design work for like Mm -hmm. um, children's hospital and Mm -hmm. um equal rights project like lots of stuff i'm like okay this is great um so i go work there and it's like a contract design position it's not even internship really Mm -hmm. it's like you're gonna work for like three months and then we'll see what happens at that point and right when I got there it was like super stuffy and like kind of really like a lot of rules like make like don't have food at your desk like this is like a five-person office and they're like kind of like make sure you do this there's a schedule for cleaning the kitchen everyone does this kind of stuff like very like intense and they had this office in the back that was like kind of open the two principals who were a they were partners in life and in those so two men who oh. who li- who were like married, I think, and they yeah. ran the studio, and so they were always like kind of literally behind me, like in the back of my yeah. periphery. So yeah. I get I had like a lot of anxiety and stuff. So it was not great to be sort of like physically in proximity to like this sort of looming presence. Um, yeah. They were, and he brought me in, being like, I'm I really want to like mentor you and like. He yeah. literally said these things to me and he seemed excited. And then when yeah. I got there, I guess maybe my shyness or my sort of like bitter external facade that like kept me yeah, looking cool and calm, even if I, I was like yeah, freaking yeah. out on the inside because I didn't had no <clears throat> idea what I was doing, um, maybe yeah. put them off or something. Um, and he, he was never around, first of all. So like, I'd try to email him mm. and I'd say like, hey, like, can we touch base? Like, because I thought he was going to be like involved, you know? At, that's yeah. why he sort of presented it to me and he never responded to like any of my emails um one time i asked him like can you give me some advice and he said sure and we like made it a scheduled meeting for like two days later and he took me to the conference room which was like it's a very tiny spot like it's sort of like a railroad apartment mm-hmm. that was turned into a studio so like uh, one little room that's like off connected to like the main like bro yeah. of computers and everyone can hear it and it's like not really a conference room and he's just like takes out a piece of paper and he's like so this is you and he draws like this very convoluted kind of circle like a spiral and Uh then that's like in like one color pen and then he's like and Uh this is me and it was like a straight line to the center in a different Uh color and he was like Uh you're like you take a really long time to get to solution and if you're like me you can get a solution very quickly like straight to the solution that was his advice oh my god and i was like flabbergasted i was like is this a joke like you know yeah that it sounds like something somebody would say if they were like this sounds like something out of a movie yeah like it sounds like something somebody would say if they wanted to like come across as an an actual asshole like how do i perform the role of asshole to young designer who's asking me for advice and then he just like disappeared for the rest of the day i don't remember so then i was like all right he's not mentoring me and aiga at the time in dc had like this mentorship program that they had announced so i was like oh let me sign up for this and i get paired with this person who it turns out is very tight with my boss at this place which is the exact opposite of what i wanted because i hated it there and he was kind of mean and weird and so I was like, yeah. oh, great, whatever. So she's this woman. She's, like, doing a lot of, like, work for APAC and stuff, too, which is, like, yeah. really weird. Like, very, you know APAC? 
Okay. No, APAC like like Israel. Like Asia Pacific like company. Like the pro Asia Pacific. Lobby. Like like not your like like oh. she was like you know okay whatever. So she tells me she knows him, and I'm like, God damn it, like. And it's kind of weird because I'm Jewish, and they paired me with yeah. like this older Jewish woman. Like I, I was hoping to get paired with like someone young yeah. and like cool. So she yeah. says they're really close. And one day we met for coffee and she says, yeah. let's meet for coffee. And I said, how about before work? There's a coffee shop across the street from yeah. my office. So we're there early in the morning. She's like, why don't I stop in and say hi to your, to the bosses? And I'm like, yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. you're, you guys are friends. That's normal. I'm like 22 years old. I don't know. Right. right. Um, she comes in and they're not there yet. But one of the other people yeah. is. So she's like, well, why don't we just sit and wait for them to come? Yeah. So like, why don't you show me some of the stuff you're working on? She's like sitting yeah. at my desk. I'm like showing her this yeah. motion file I started because I was learning some oh, After Effects for them. Yeah. And they come in and they're like, they look really weird. And they're like, they don't look like happy to see her. And they like walk back into their office. And then they come out and say, hi, like, how are you? And she's like, I'm good. Right, and right, it's right. like super abrupt. She leaves. Yeah. And then they go back into their office and he, the main yeah. guy who drew the concentric circle, storms by me. And he's like, we need to talk right now. And he goes into the conference room and I like follow yeah, him in yeah. there. And he's like, you would never do this again. How could you bring oh her in gosh. here? This is like, she, yeah. she could have been in our office. She could have seen our financials. She could have seen work on the walls. Bear in mind, this is a, com- a company that does like very cute, like simple, yeah. not groundbreaking work for nonprofits. Her work is in a similar vein, but it's not the type of thing where you're like competing for the next great idea. Right. <laughs> like our work was up she probably and I'm, I'm just so confused and he's like just never do this again I can't believe you did this and and then I had to work the whole day with him there uh and I was just like I'm sorry I had no idea like I didn't even know I like it was so shocking to my system yeah I mean it was obvious that this 22 year old person who hadn't really worked in design much should not be blamed for this like Mm-hmm. obviously it's not like it was my mm-hmm. idea <laughs> like mm-hmm. and so then at the end of the day i'm leaving after i worked the whole day with my like severe anxiety disorder on yeah. top of like that yeah. happening and i was like yeah. not in therapy yet at that point it's like unme- yeah. not medicated <laughs> just like a wreck and i'm leaving and he's like hey can i talk to you for a second i was like sure he's, he says you know i think i might have re- overreacted earlier i don't think it was your fault i think it was more on her which I was like, yeah, shocked by, but I was like, okay, that's yeah. nice. At least there's like some saving for this. So I leave. Yeah. Then I'm like, this place, I need to get out of here. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> so those are the two. And then the third one is that I finally got a job at the other place that I really wanted to work the whole time. They yeah. were like, okay, yeah. you can intern here. And I yeah. found out I was going to RISD. So I was like, I'm going to RISD. I had been applying to grad school at that time. Yeah, And I was like, I'm going to RISD. I just want an internship for the summer before I go. Can I work with you? They're like, sure. When can you start? And I had just every month at the end of every month, I'd email this dude who I was working for and be like, so like, am I still working here? Because you haven't said anything. And he'd be like, sure, another month. Uh, And he never would tell me like the future of it. And he never would like give, and he never talked to me. That's super anxiety inducing. Yeah. I I feel like that, that in itself is a trauma. Oh yeah. So I never knew on the leash like that. I never knew if I was like still going to be there, if I was going to get a paycheck and like, you know, my dad was helping me at the time. So I was lucky, but like it was tough. So I 
you know, I was like, I'm going to go see if I can get another job. And I had just had that email conversation with him like three days before. And he was like, yeah, you should right. come back next month. And they said like, can you start next week or whatever? Or two, two weeks. It was yeah. like two weeks. So it was like yeah. a normal two week thing. And I was like, at one day I was like, can I talk to you? Like, I, I need to say, I need to talk to you about something. He's like, and I, he's like, sure. And we have like a little meeting or like he, yeah. he like says no at first and like pushes it off. And I'm trying yeah, to get yeah. a hold of him so I can tell him that I need to leave. And I was like, yeah, yeah actually my last day needs to be like two weeks from now. And he looks yeah. at me and he's just like, what, what do you mean? I mean, this is a guy who showed me no attention and never showed appreciation right, for anything right, I did. Right. So I'm like, obviously he doesn't care if I leave early. I don't know why he's even right. has me here. I didn't even have right. that much work to do all the time. And he's like, this is, this is not good. We need you. We need your help on this. How could you do this? I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's two weeks from now. Like, I'm, you know, I, we've been on a very rolling basis here. Like, I didn't think this was a big deal. Um, yeah. I need to leave early. And he's like, well, it is a big deal. And I was like, okay, well, I, I don't want to like sully this experience. Like I had a great time here. You taught me a lot, like lying through my teeth. And he's like, well, you did, <laughs> you have, you have, you have ruined it or something like that. And oh I was God. like, okay, well, I hope we can like o get overcome this. And like, I'd love to leave on good terms. He's like, I don't know yeah. if we can anymore or whatever. And then he leaves to go to his like beach house for the weekend. And the, the secretary who, who is the nicest person on earth, she's like yeah. the sweetest woman. She does like all their books and stuff. And she says like, hey, can you come here for a second? I have, I need, I have a mm -hmm. message for you. And she says that he called her to tell her to tell me to take out all the trash in the office. Like every <laughs> bin like one at a time and like do like some extra cleaning like something like yeah. really like clean the toilets kind of shit yeah and i'm just like is this real like so that's like my first right. job out of yeah. college at a design studio gosh that and sounds like, horrible and i'm like this is how and it like scarred me like my dad lived in an apartment really close by and so i yeah. like always feared running to him and seeing him like yeah but now i just link back and i'm like god what a joke yeah so that's my main trauma that haunts that me sounds like something like out uh, seriously it sounds like something out of like a 90s like movie like rom-com where you're the young designer and then you're working at this horrible job <laughs> i mean i wish i was exaggerating and like maybe it was yeah not that bad but it, it was pretty bleak i was like the, nervous the bad, all the time the, the sad the sad thing is is that i as much as I say that it sounds like it's out of a movie, like I can draw a very realistic picture of the person that you're talking about and like ha find other people in my life that I've encountered that are probably like that. Yeah. I mean, looking back, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what was going on in his life? What, you know, obviously he had some things going on in his personal life that were like getting to him, but it's just, I can't imagine treating a younger person that way, no matter what, Yeah. even if they were like, awful yeah and i don't think i was that bad but i probably was like annoying yeah. to work with i'm sure i did things that bothered him i just didn't know yeah um and he never communicated them to me except for and also the moments. thing is like it's not like you had much training as a designer before that either no which he must have known to begin with yeah, but I mean, I it guess sounds like... like he was just trying to exploit you by having you as like a 
be essentially be a full-time employee but be on this lingering contract basis yeah like just purely on that that level i feel like that's incredibly exploitative i think also when you're young like you put so much stock in everything that you're doing you don't have like as well-rounded or as like broad of a life so like everything is going into this one thing and like it's like almost yeah. you're like primed for trauma. Uh, it's yeah. like like a first crush or something. It's like you want so badly that person to like yeah. you that like a you like screw it up for yourself because you put so much pressure on yourself, and b like the person's not even right for you anyways, which was a mistake. Like you know you're not thinking like is this person right for me? Am I right for them? Like you're like I just need this like this I need this to work. Like, it's everything to me. And then they're just like, you're not doing a good job. And also, I'm an asshole. So on top of that, it's not going to be good. But yeah, I I think back on that and think about, like, I want to make sure that I treat people that way. And, like, yeah, I want to make sure that, like, I don't cause those sorts of traumas to people, even unintentionally. Well, I mean, I think that's a, but that's also a really good point. I think in also relating to the general theme of our podcast is that like, you know, design ultimately is still about people, you know, it's about communicating to people. It's about dealing with people. Like the way it gets done is working with people. It's not like this isolated solo thing. And I think part of, you know, part of being a good designer is like knowing how to be a good human being. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's becoming more so, which we'll talk about later in later weeks and episodes. But you know, I think that's definitely like a big part, big becoming a bigger part of the design. Process. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that like your story and my story both involve people who sort of, in your case, like you were sort of not paying attention to him. And what your client wanted. Yeah. And that sort of got you into trouble. Yeah. And his, in my case, like, yeah. also similarly, I probably wasn't paying attention to him and what they wanted, but yeah. they also, like, there's a complete disconnect in, like, terms of, like, what people want out of the relationship. Like, what, right. why right, right, this right. relationship exists in the first place. Like, if he had just said, look, like, we have some right. extra work, we need cheap labor, you don't have any experience, mm-hmm. I'll give you a chance, I'm not going to be around mm-hmm. very much, you'll get a chance to, like, you know, just, like, lay it out for me. I'm also, like, grumpy, and sometimes yeah, I get, yeah. like, weird, but, like, don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> or if it just had been, like, a professional thing, right? Like, you know, like, why make these promises of, like, mentoring you when really all he, he might have needed was some extra hands for cheap, yeah. you know? So I think maybe that's how he had to, like, uh, uh, sell it to himself right you know like i'm gonna take advantage of this young kid that's a good point but i'm going to that's how he slept yeah. at night yeah exactly. but yeah i mean i think it's funny like it's so obvious that both of these things are like a like relationship kind of struggles like sort of when you're young and inexperienced mm-hmm. or when you're older and kind of like insecure about your design practice you sort of don't think clearly mm-hmm. about oh like this yeah. is a person and I should appreciate them for who they are and what they have to offer. And we can sort of like have a nice relationship and it might not be perfect, but like we're going to get somewhere with it. And like, if it goes off the rails, then we can readjust, but like expecting a lot from somebody and then like getting super pissed off when they don't 
meet those expectations because they have no guidance. But in both cases is like kind of funny and pretty like classic, you know, like don't expect more from people than they probably can offer. Like that's also really important in life, you know? I think we've actually come to a really interesting point in our conversation about like design being about people and about managing relationships, managing expectations, you know, uh, performing to meet those expectations, like also knowing where the expectations are. I think that in my case, that was definitely the, like, the, the situation was like, they didn't want that shit, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that like, I think, you know, we're, we're like, you know, I think we're dabbling or like considering like coming up with mantras or meditations. But I think like, I think a good one is like design is about relationships. I think that's a good, you know, uh, design is relationships like that Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, uh, conclusion or like that kind of you know, realization is a, is a good... Yeah, and that that means, one, that, like, it requires sort of tact, patience, communication, these types of things. And also, it falls on two people, at least, not just one. Right. It's not always your... Right. Like, the fact that that happened right. to you is not just your fault or just his fault. Right. And the fact right. that that happened to me is not right. just the 22-year-old version of me's fault or this guy right. who kind of has an arrogant side to him like it's a it's a combination of misalignments and i think like getting more comfortable with how to align yourself to somebody else or how to choose when the alignment isn't there in the first place is like super important in this work and like to be to be clear like i don't blame that guy i actually like am kind of thankful to him because without that experience i think i would never have like learned i would have I would probably have learned, but like some other way, you know, some other more traumatic way. Yeah. I mean, it's always hard to say. I think yeah. you have to have like, it's like your first heartbreak. You have to have right, that. Right, right, right. There's no way around it. You know, the yeah. guy who, who said he would take care of you, give you the dream <laughs> job, he's going to yeah. let you down and that's it. And then you just keep trying on different things until... And find but the right match. Everyone I think when you when there's something that's too good to be true, sometimes usually it's because it is too good to be true. Yeah. It's like, oh, you mean yeah. like this person wanted to work with me and I have no experience? And oh, maybe there's a reason because they're not around much. Right. Like, they don't have right. they don't care. And right. The things that they sold me are definitely not true. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's also part of it. Like read between the lines. Trust right. your gut. Do as best right. as you can in a in a, in the situation, and then like get yourself out if it's not good. Right. I think we really got somewhere.